Hello and welcome to Concert Pipeline. That's Jen Schippel. And that is Steve Jones. And today on the podcast, uh, we we have a cool artist that we that I got to talk to the other day, and uh, you know her. I mean, really from a, a lot of really big songs uh, over the years, and, and really, um, let me just say that this house is going to be a love shack. Yeah, <laughs> baby. Mm-hmm. Right. Wow. I, I just murdered that. I killed it. Yeah, you did. I did. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so Cindy Wilson is on the program, and uh, like I said, you know her from B-52s. We're going to get to talk to her in a little bit. Uh, she's in San Francisco right now, actually, um, uh, playing at Café du Nord, the recreated Café du Nord tonight. So, um, so I got a chance. That, is, that place is a killer venue. Yeah, killer venue. She uh, she's definitely a legend. Uh, uh, worth seeing, especially in a venue like that. Um, man, I've been there before, a long time ago. Yeah, I think it was for jazz music and stuff. You've been there too, right? I've been there a handful of times over the years. I mean, and then and then it was torn down, uh, I guess, uh, or re- rebuilt into something else. And uh, and now they're reopening it again as Ca- Cafe du Nord. They reopened it this year, I think. Um, and I haven't had a chance to go back since they've reopened it, but uh, here it's pretty cool. Very nice. Yeah. yeah. Catherine Nord. Yes. So we'll get to that in a little bit. But before we do, Jens, how can people get a hold of us if they want to? Always putting me on the spot with that one, Steve. Always putting me on the spot with that one. Okay. If anybody knows how to get a hold of us, it should be me, right? It so, should be. There's this thing called the internet. There's this thing called social media. Get on it. You can do a search for us, uh, Concert Pipeline. But if you want the direct links, you can go to Facebook. Concert Pipeline Pod. You can go to Instagram, Concert Pipeline. You can go to Twitter at Concert Pipeline. You can go to you can go to YouTube, Concert Pipeline. And sometimes, 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 if you're really on very special occasions, we've got Periscope. Yes, very special occasions. Very special occasions. Exactly. Great job. You did it. You did an amazing job. It's only taken, I did it. It's, Knocked it out of the park. It's only taken like sixty episodes to do to to nail that. So you're you're yeah. Well, don't yeah. Don't count on me nailing it next time around too. Right. I, it's, I it's always a it's always a new adventure. Oh, okay. I count my blessings. So <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. So uh, so Jens, you have an uh, exciting story to share with the concert pipeline audience, don't you? It's extremely exciting. It's extremely exciting, and I can't wait to share it with everyone. Um. All right. Now I've told you a little bit about this before. You ready to hear this again? I'm ready. Nothing hit me. Okay. So, Steve, um, I'm going to need a little bit of your input here as I share the story, just to give some perspective. Um, So, uh, my wife uh, recently upgraded her phone. Okay. And, uh, you know, usually when you do that, I would assume most people, you know, they give up their phone and they start using their new phone and Maybe they set it up as a new phone. Maybe they, you know, uh, get a backup or something on there. Or they log into their account or whatever. So here I am doing this stuff for her because she's not that patient and not that good at that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I didn't think it would take very long, but I uh, ended up making a massive project out of it. So uh, so let me tell you about this. So, uh, oh, okay. you know, uh, 
You know, uh, there, there are a couple of core apps that you use on, on the phone, right? Depending, I, I guess, on which generation you come from. Tinder and... <laughs> right, Tinder, yeah. Grindr, right? No. Yes. Um, so the male app, right, is the one I'm referring to. Not, not the female uh, app. No, not the not the female app. The actual okay. male app. The the I know it's old school for a lot of people, mm-hmm. but there's this thing called email that comes in and your phone goes bing. You know if you've got uh, notifications on. Um, but uh, there's a little badge. There's this, this little badge that comes with that, right? Okay. Um, like you wear it, like you just put it on your your lapel. Yeah, exactly. It's like this little red round badge that you wear, right? And and if if you don't have a badge, then you're awesome. If you have a badge that maybe says one or two, then okay, you've got some stuff to do, right? So just for some perspective, Steve, tell me on your phone, number one, if you have a badge, number two, what the number is on that badge. Oh, okay. I'm I'm only a little bit awesome. It's uh it's a three right now. It's a three. Okay, so you got yes. some work to do, right? Yes. You got some work to do. Okay. So just for perspective, I'm gonna tell you um <clears throat> how many unread <laughs> emails I have, which is what that red badge means. Okay. Um I currently have fourteen thousand four hundred and nineteen. Wow. That's a lot, right? That's, that's a, a lot. It's a couple of emails. But that's a couple of emails. That's a couple of emails. But I want to tell you, uh, that might seem like a massive number. It does. It might give people quite a lot of anxiety if that was there. I mean, you know, I have anxiety right in-laws. now just thinking about it, yes. Right, right, right. Uh, but just in comparison, um, when I had finished setting my wife's phone up, she uh, had a number quite, you know, quite, uh, quite larger than that. And... Uh, let me tell you, it was approximately 133,000. <coughs> 133,000 unread emails. Okay, so she's got three different email accounts. She has a work email account, and then we have a joint email account, and then she has her own private, like, you know, account. Now explain the joint so, email account to me. Why do we have a joint email account, Jens? Because I don't know. These, that's, these email accounts are free, right? So I, <laughs> emails are free, right? 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 I mean, she you, you weren't cutting corners or anything one. financially. You're not no, hitting tough times. No, it was a really tough time for us, and we couldn't afford, you know, too many. We couldn't afford too many free accounts, so we figured we'll just do one free account for both of us instead of you know like three free accounts, right? Or two free accounts. Yeah. yeah. No, it wasn't anything like that. It was, it was her idea because she figured, oh, it would be, uh, you know, it would be convenient if we shared an email account for certain things. Uh huh. How do you feel about this? I don't know. Uh, I felt weird about it in the beginning. I'm like, what? I don't really get it. Why would you want to do that? You know. But then as as time went on, it made a lot of sense. Like for example, um, our joint account is linked to our Amazon account. So when either of us order something. Uh, the order information comes to our joint account. How will you ever find it with 133,000 emails, Jens? You know what? There's this feature called search. Oh, it's, it doesn't work that well. Stuff, it doesn't work that well. And it appears on your screen. <laughs> it doesn't work for me that well, and I don't have that anywhere near that number. Okay. So, uh, circling back around. Okay. Circling back around. I just want to say my defense, the um, – 14,419 unread messages that I have in my inbox are largely not my fault. Okay. okay. <laughs> they are part of the 133,000 unread email messages that my wife has. A portion. So, yes. so yeah. So, what I, so uh, essentially the idea was, or the, the big question mark was, do I do something about this or do I just move on? It's like, okay, you know, this is her thing. I'm just going to 
move on, right? Okay. But it, but it was just nagging at me. It was nagging. It's like I got to take care of this stuff. I got to take care of this. And I knew, I knew that it was mailing list stuff. Like she 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 finds something online, and if she you know creates an account, she gets fifty percent off of something, right? Right. And then she never goes and shops there again. It's it's that kind of thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, and uh, and uh, so what I started doing is I just started going through her emails. And I just started looking at all the, um, you know, all the spam that's coming in. So, uh, you know, Nordstrom's, for example, or Macy's, for example, um, I would say, okay, uh, she's getting a lot of emails from these companies. Um, and then I would do a search for that uh, incoming uh, from the email address that these spam messages are coming from. And sometimes, Steve, sometimes the, uh, you know, the number of messages are reasonable. Maybe it doesn't, you know, maybe she gets one email a month and she's had it for a year. Wow. On some occasions, Steve, this goes back to weekly emails for like years on end. And the most, the most, uh-huh. I don't remember. I don't remember what this was. It might have been Facebook or something. Because back in the day, I think Facebook automatically would email you every time somebody posted something. Right. Okay. And I, I think I think this is it. So she had like seventy six hundred emails be, uh, from Facebook because because of notifications that somebody had posted something on her timeline or she had read somebody's message or somebody had replied to something she said or uh, like what the fuck. Wow. <laughs> It's like yeah. none of them were clicked on. <laughs> wow. So, so you're making progress. Is that what you're saying? You're trying to say is that you're, What's that? you're making progress on the phone situation. The- I'm trying to make progress on the phone. Yeah. And, um, truth be told, uh, she spends way too much time on her phone anyway. So if you want to know why I started investing time in this, it's because I'm trying to encourage her to spend less time behind her phone. Okay. And I think maybe I could shave off a good 25%. I could give her maybe 25% of her life back because she's spending too much time filtering through emails. If you, just, there's too much crap on there. If you change her passcode, she might uh, spend less time on the phone. If I do what? If you change her passcode. Yes, that's yes. true. Or just... Uh, don't tell her. Not give her phone back to her. <laughs> like, here, then that, cancel all your stupid subscriptions, and you can have your phone back. That'll work. And that'll work. So crazy. Yeah. So I'm, I'm trying not to waste my life on this. So what I do, um, you know, on football Sundays is I watch, you know, two or three football games. And um, for those that are just you know, a nine or ten hours out of your day, just uh, nine or ten of, hours out of my day. Yeah. Not much. I just I go, I go through her her stuff and just unsubscribe her to these mailing lists and do these bulk deletes. Yeah. Well, I record everything. So on, on, on football. So I just, you know, fast forward through all the commercials. Yeah. So. Okay. So it's only six or seven hours. And yeah, 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 yeah. It's only six or seven okay. hours. It's only like watching a, maybe a trilogy. Right. Right. Uh, let's see. It's two, three, four, five. Yeah. You could watch a trilogy in seven hours probably. Right. 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 Um, speaking of trilogy. Yeah. Episode eight. Yes. Okay. Next. Ooh, not next week. This week. Yeah. This Thursday. In coming fact. The, Thursday coming out this week. Yes. And that's exciting. I can't wait. I'm super, super excited about this episode. Yeah. Going to be a lot of fun, right? We have to, we have to figure out Steve, if you and I are going to, that's dress not going to happen. That's not going to happen. No. And like go to the theater dressed up. No, you can, you can do that. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and no, not. if it did happen, 
if it did happen, what would you dress up as? I have a Star Wars shirt. I will wear. I can wear the Star Wars shirt. How's that sound? Okay, I would that's not, not. That's not dressing up. I'm talking about like costumes. If you if you could, if you, yeah. if you had a wardrobe full of different Star Wars costumes, right? And you went in there and it's like, oh, I'm going to wear this to the movies. Yes. Which one would you pick? Somewhere either uh, Jar Jar Binks or Kylo Ren. One of the two. Jar Jar Binks. If you dress up as Jar Jar Binks, I'm not going to watch the movie with no. you. <laughs> <laughs> watch that by yourself. <laughs> You're going solo on that one. Yeah. 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 I'd have to do one of the one of the uh, the classics who, for some reason, is you know widely popular, but only had maybe five seconds of screen time, and that was. Uh, uh, I can't even remember. Boba um, Fett. Boba Fett. Thank you. Yes. Boba Fett. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Not dressing up though. So. Yeah. Not dressing up. Yeah. Okay. I'll, we'll just, we'll just wear our star, uh, star Wars shirts and keep a little key. Yes. Yes. Uh, that, that'll work. Um, yeah. So <laughs> I, I have a short story as well before we bring Cindy on in and that is, you know, continuing up on the, uh, the hunting saga. Um, went out, uh, hunting with, uh, our buddy Joe yesterday and we were going to meet up with a, a couple of his other friends, but it just didn't end up working out, uh, that way. We, but we went out to, um, we went out to Grizzly Island and, uh, and just waded out into the water. I mean, the water was up pretty high, like up to, you know, our, our chests, like we're, we're wow. yeah, we were, we were, we were going to fall in at, at, uh, at some points, but, um, but it was fun. It's just so much fun to get out. And even if, I mean, Grizzly Island, there's not a lot of, um, uh, there's not a lot of birds out there, uh, flying right now, but, um, but, I mean, but we found a good spot to hunt, uh, a good blind and, uh, hunkered down. We, uh, saw a goose, but it was with, uh, a couple of swans. Like it went right over our heads and, uh, and it was with mm. a couple of swans and you can't shoot swans. Otherwise you'll have like a $25,000 fine. Uh, Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So Joe wasn't going to take that shot, but, uh, we, he saw them kind of lay down, uh, you know, go down into the, um, Thule Reed area. So we went and uh, tromped a little bit to see if we can find the goose. And, um, and then, I mean, we, we went probably, I don't know, 150 yards, I'd say through the, um, through the marsh and, um, and we get to this clearing and there were a bunch of swans, like probably 15, um, and, uh, and the, uh, when, when we were, uh, I don't know, maybe 40 yards away, they, they could tell, right. That, that we were there. So they kind of picked up and they started, I mean, it was like a plane taking off. They get, and get, uh, get up in the air and the, uh, and the, the goose is in between these like 15 swans. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, so that was, that was pretty cool, but obviously no way he was going to shoot at the goose, uh, chance of, of you know of a pellet missing and and hitting a, a swan and just you know being in that sort of situation um, yeah yeah that's just way too risky yeah yeah and remind people where where this is again uh and so this is grizzly island it's uh, out like american canyon area okay so like north yeah. bay like uh, yeah. north bay yeah north bay uh, mm-hmm. not too far from napa um 
Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so it was good. It was good. It was, I mean, not a, a he- like a heavy bird place to, sh- uh, to hunt right now. Uh, as we get toward the end of the hunting season in the next couple of weeks or so, it'll probably pick up a little bit, but we just wanted to get out and have some fun. Um, and, uh, and so we get back to our blind where we have set up with a bunch of decoys of, uh, you know, different ducks that are, you know, planted around and make it look like, Hey, there's some ducks here. Come on in fellas, you know, <laughs> uh, sort of thing. Um, we get there and then a, um, a, a greenhead mallard like flew right, right over us. And, um, and Joe, uh, Joe shot it and then actually shot it again. Like he shot it twice on, and it like flipped over on its way down and it like, it was catapulting into the, the marsh. And so we're in this blind filled with tule reeds that are, you know, kind of above our head to hide us. Right. And, uh, and so we get out quickly, like we get around and like, five six seconds something like that around to the side to try and see this and i'm recording right because I'm, I'm the one documenting this so I, I have video of him shooting like him shooting the uh the duck and it going down but then i you know as i turn like i can't see anything in the video anymore because these, these reeds are ahead of us so we have to get out and go and we see the ripple in the water like from where it was uh and, and everything and and we went tromping through those tule reeds for 20 minutes 20 30, 25 probably close to 30 minutes um looking for this duck because that's i mean that's really one of the worst things is to lose a duck and have it just be in pain and not you know get to uh, keep it and eat it and everything like that. You don't want it to just right. have to be in pain. I mean, we heard some, Suffer, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I mean, we heard some coyotes, um, that, uh, you know, around that time as well. And they might've, they might've found the duck. Um, mm. so, uh, they're pretty, well, that would have been a nice treat for them. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, so that was a real bummer. And John, Joe was super pissed. I was, you know, really like tromping through the tulies. I really wanted to find that duck and everything, but it could have been anywhere. It could have been dead. It could have been alive, poorly injured. Joe watched, I mean, he replays the, he replays it in his head a lot over and over when something like that happens. But, uh, uh, but then, I mean, but he had the video and I sent it to him and he would just was watching it over and over in slow motion and everything, just like, you know, analyze, mm-hmm. analyzing it and like anything he could have done differently. And he, you know, he's going to be the first to right. himself up about right. it. Um, yeah, yeah. You guys didn't have your retriever with you. Did not have a dog. And that was one of the things when you told him at the, uh, at the front gate, you know, about it, uh, that we showed him the video and everything. And they're like, ah, if you had your, your dog, the dog would have, you know, found it. Right. So mm-hmm. got, got it. it. Yeah. Well, you do have a dog, right? I do. He is not that dog. That's not. Is he trainable? Is he encourageable? Uh, Does he chase balls or sticks or anything? I mean, he'll chase a ball, but some. I mean, half the time I'll get bored with it, so I don't know. Joe's friend has a hunting dog, um, who actually we were planning on going out with, but and he was there also at Grizzly Island, but at a different spot than we were, so we didn't end Mm -hmm. up. We just didn't end up meeting up with him. Um, Right, and. uh, yeah, so I mean, it's it's a, just a lot of fun. I love getting out there and uh, um, and just spending the day outdoors, hanging with a a friend and and observing it because it's it's you know it's a fun sport. Yeah, gets you outside. It does. It does. So which is, which is nice. Yeah. Yeah. So let's cool. uh, let's carry on now. Let's bring our our guest in, shall we? And 
Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Let's bring Cindy in. Yeah. So again, Cindy Wilson from the B-52s. Um, and I had a good little chat with her. Let's, uh, let's bring her on in. Here it is, my interview with Cindy Wilson. Hello? Hey, is this Cindy? Yes, it is. Hey, Cindy, how's it going? This is Steve Jones from Concert Pipeline. Hey, how are you doing? Hey, doing well, doing well. You're in Seattle right now, right? Yep, uh, we're we're uh, getting ready to do sound check in a, in a little bit and um, just chilling out in the green room. Sounds good. How's the tour been going so far? You've been on the tour for about a week or so now? No, it's been uh, it's been uh, a lot longer than that. It's been about three weeks. Oh, how have the shows so, been? But we we did take uh, some time off uh, around Thanksgiving. Yeah, I got, know, got some time with the family, and then uh, continued. But it's been it's been a uh, very hectic, and you know, just getting in the van and with the equipment. And everybody, and just taking off and doing these shows, and it's we're playing small venues, and you know, building our audience, and we're getting lots of good write-ups, um, and it's been kind of really exciting. Yeah, tell me about that dynamic for you. I mean, you mentioned kind of touring in a, a van. It's probably been a while since you yourself have t- uh, toured in a van, being with the the B fifty twos and everything, right? Right, it's like uh, it's like the beginning of the Beach Tattoos, and that's kind of been amazing uh, to get that feeling back again, you know. And it's uh, you know it's just uh, just the very fact that you're out and working at it and and doing it with all these great people. I have such great people around me, really really smart, um, really great musicians. And uh, it's it's really fun to see, um, you know, the reactions to the music, and um, and every every show is a little bit different because the the sound in the in the rooms are different. Every club is a little bit different, and and uh, so it's it's been a lot of fun just to just to get out there and do these shows. Yeah, so tell me, what, what inspired uh, having a, a solo career at this uh, point in the game? Usually, I mean, when that comes about, it's, you know, probably a little earlier. What what kind of brought this about <laughs> at this point for you? Well, it's just where, um, you know, I had the time. I had taken some, uh, well, the band had some time off a little bit, and B-52s. And uh, a friend of mine who, I, I, well, actually... Lemuel and Ryan, uh, I've worked with uh, doing doing like one-offs, you know, locally in in Athens or Atlanta, and uh, uh, so we just decided to go in the studio and see if we could, uh, you know, do something there, you know, and and it was successful. It was a, uh, it felt really at ease and uh, and. Uh, we I, we started going into SUNY Lyons studio, and he's he was such a, uh, a creative engineer and pro- uh, producer, you know that he's. It, I mean, he had to be in the band, you know. So um, it's it's been a, a, a big learning experience for me. Usually, the older person is the one that teaches, but 
I'm I'm learning a lot from from the younger musicians and and this generation because uh, the music industry has changed so much, and you really do have to start all over again, you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So you mentioned Sony Lyons. So obviously he uh, produced the uh, album. And tell me about how you uh, came in contact with Sony and chose him uh, as the producer and um, and the dynamic between you guys. Well, actually, Sony wrote a lot of the songs too, and as well as Ryan and and I and uh, I, and I, we brought in covers uh, to do. We do about three on the album or maybe two on the album, one on an EP or something. But, um, and uh, it's, it was just a, a chill kind of atmosphere. Um, and it was just a wonderful way to be creative. And uh, I looked forward uh, to getting together with the, with them and just uh, see where we t- take it, you know. And, and a lot of the time, I mean, at the beginning, a lot of the time we were, um, searching for a uh, sound, a consistent sound, and uh, and that that meant singing a different way uh, than I usually do, you know, and and that has been um, an amazing journey to uh, kind of you know try out different voices. It's like having a different bunch of paints to paint with, yeah. you know. And uh, so, you know, and it conjures up uh, different emotions, and uh, it's so it's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. And, you know. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, I was just, I was, I don't know if I answered your question, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, part of it was also how did you uh, pair up with uh, SUNY? Well, um, actually, SUNY um, is from Athens, and, uh, and, and Ryan and Sunny had been friends and had worked together, and so it was uh, it was natural that we we would go and, and start a work. It was at Sunny's studio, and it was. And Sunny was uh, he was enthusiastic and and uh, had so many great ideas. I mean, I mean, I I, I I enjoyed it so much going into the studio. It's one of my favorite things. Is to is to uh, record the music, but then to then to put it out in the live show and make it really come alive, you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you mentioned a moment ago, uh, you know, several covers that you did. I know you covered Junior Senior and uh, OOK's Brother. Uh, how did you choose uh, the songs that you wanted to uh, cover on your album? Well, I you know I brought them in and uh, you know. We sat down and listened to him, and uh, uh, actually, brother came about when uh, Ryan Reveal and I and some other musicians uh, were doing a show, and uh, the the uh, show was about you know doing other um, Athens uh, Georgia bands, you know, from back in the eighties, and you know, and so um, we did. Okay's brother and Pylon, uh, a couple of songs from Pylon and Love Tractor, but uh, you know we uh, we really enjoyed the the brother one that just got such a great reaction and uh, so it's a great it's a tribute to Okay. 
and we made it, and we put a little uh, uh, twist on it ourselves, you know, and make it a little crazier even, you know, so we loved it. Yeah, and you've said that this this album is kind of like an an art piece, something to be enjoyed in full. Tell me a little bit about about that vision for you. How this is more than just kind of you know some tracks put together, but actually kind of you know a, a full plate of uh, music, I guess you could say, right? Yeah, I uh, that always appealed to me. Those kind of records that that do that, and you know, you just you know put it on and just uh, you know. You could listen to the whole album, and, uh, and so I mentioned that to Sunny. You know, kind of wanted something like that, and he, he and Ryan agreed that that would be pretty cool. And uh, uh, so, so that's how we started out. You know, um, but it took a, it it took a, about three and a half years to, I mean, you know, to get it together and do it all. You know, or about three years really, and um, and. It was, uh, we got to bring in different musicians and, uh, we had like, um, a flute and violins and piano and it was, uh, it was a lot of fun to, to watch people come in and, um, and play, play on the record. That was a lot of fun. So, um, you know, I, I, I love the covers too. Yeah, and and so with with this album, um, how much of a perfectionist are are you? You know, uh, how much ended up on the cutting room floor versus you know, uh, uh, how much of it had to be just right for you? Well, um, actually, uh, Ryan and Sydney are are pretty you know uh, pretty hardcore at, at at you know being perfectionist. You know, so so yeah, I mean. Suni is uh, just a genius, and and um, he would like go and uh, listen to the mix in his car too to see how it was sounding, and in different you know you know situations where you would listen to a record, you know, yeah. and so he was getting just amazing detail with, with this sonic you know electronic sounds and the beautiful way he uh recorded it it was and so it just flows uh and it's just a beautiful album yeah and to you the live show is kind of just as important right tell me how that kind of your parlay this into a live show do you play the album like in its entirety or how do how do you kind of approach that yeah it is it is a a, a lot like the record um we did uh, bring in uh, some more up-tempo songs from, um, and yeah, we we just thought it just needed a little bit more, uh, yeah, more of a change uh, in in that and bring that into the whole live show, and um, so, it, it but it still flows like uh, the record, and um, it's uh, it's it's really uh, just takes you places. And I've had so many people uh, just thank us, you know, for for you know taking us on this journey, you know. So it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. And so you're uh, you've had to kind of change your style a, a bit with this solo career. You're harmonizing with the guys as opposed to with Kate. Tell me with that. That's right. Yeah. Tell me about that. Tell me how you how you went into that. Well, it's you know. Um, 
both Brian and Sunny have great voices, and um, and uh, Brian's is super beautiful, and um, he can do so much with his vocals, and and so we had to we had to do harmonies and uh, and interesting uh, vocalese things in in the uh, in the songs, and I love I love the way it turned out. Yeah. So, so I want to go back now. We talked about the, you know, your, your current career. Obviously I want to talk to you about the B-52s as well and kind of, okay, and, and about that a little bit. So, um, so you guys got together around 1976 or so. And, uh, I, I know there was a pivotal Valentine's day kind of party that, that kind of brought you guys together. Uh, I want to start. Yeah. I want to start a little before that for you, though. Um, personally, what was it that uh, brought about your interest in in music and uh, and made you want to be a musician? Well, you know, it's really was Ricky. You know, he was four years older, um, and he was a uh, he was a, a, a really into music and uh, the Beatles and and. He had a wonderful record collection. He was a self-taught um, uh, guitar player. He enjoyed uh, different types. He was searching for a unique style, and he really did come on it. You know, I've, I've come upon it. He was just uh, just extremely uh, original guitar player. And um, so we would go and... Uh, he had bought a reel-to-reel tape recorder, and we would go, and I would sing. We would sing harmony and and sing uh, folk songs and and really crazy songs, you know, and uh, do these, you know, um, when you would layer the the uh, the vocals and making it sound so. Uh, Amazing that you could do that, you know. And so we, uh, so it was uh, hanging out with Ricky and being his guinea pig, little sister. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. So you know, and um, and then you know, we it would just kind of spontaneously exploded um, in the uh, the B fifty twos, and uh, it was it was kind of like an art project in a way where, you know, it was, I mean, Ricky and Keith and Kate, I mean, you know, they were, they were musicians, but it was also just more, more unique and, and encompassed a lot of different things. And like, uh, uh, I, you know, I think, uh, the, the wearing of the wigs and the and uh, just having fun with fashion and 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 um, we just wanted to bring a whole package together. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So so let's talk about that uh, that you know pivotal party a little bit, right? On the on Valentine's Day, where not only for the B fifty twos, but you also met your husband at that party. And and I'll tell you, you're actually the second band I've ever interviewed where. Uh, the uh, musician like met the, like their band formed and uh, their hus- uh, husband Is that right? uh, and oh their husband yeah, was at the same party for a line yeah sure, Morchiba you know? was the other and was the other one <laughs> it was like first uh, 
the first show DVT's ever did. It was a party. And my husband came with a bunch of his friends, and uh, we just briefly met. We didn't really hang or anything. But later on, uh, some friends introduced us, and uh, he ended up taking me home. And and it was, and so, yeah, a lot going on there, you know. And uh, the, it's, it was it was great. You know, he was uh, Ricky's um, a guitar tuner, and uh, he was one of our, he was at one of our first roadies, you know, that we hired so we could be together. Yeah. And uh, and uh, Ricky uh, came to really rely on on my husband to to really get the you know the the guitar tuning is correct and 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 he Ricky um always busted strings you know so there had to be uh you know a, a backup cuz if Ricky Ricky's guitar broke I mean uh, strings broke then everything came to a screeching halt <laughs> because we only had a, a few instruments you know yeah. and so and so it was it was amazing uh, so my husband has seen the whole history of the band, and he's got an interesting perspective. Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah. So, so tell me about the. Do you remember the first time that you heard yourself on the radio? Oh gosh, it would have to have been Rock Lobster. Yeah. Yeah, all fifty-two girls. Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah, what was that experience like? <laughs> what was that experience like for you? Is it uh, surreal? I mean, radio must have been so. Oh, absolutely, absolutely surreal. You know, it was a it was a joy. You know, and uh, we were. I mean, uh, the B fifty twos. We were so excited, and and we started getting courted by um, record labels. We had an independent single uh, that we put out, um, and. Um, and after that, we signed with Warner Brothers, but it was it was Rock Lobster and Fifty Two Girls, and uh, that Forty Five is is very collectible now because it was only uh, just a limited amount done, you know. So, so uh, you know, it was uh, yeah. I, I would definitely think it would be Rock Lobster or Fifty Two Girls. Yeah, and uh, and of course, I mean. Tell me about the reception of Love Shack for uh, for you guys and how how kind of how, what that did for your guys' career and also I mean how it's just lived on for forever as well. I mean a lot of what you guys ha- uh, have done have of course, but Love Shack yeah. continues to bre- you know breathe uh, uh, even for yeah years that later. that one um, I think you know I feel like you know it was. It was just something that struck a nerve for everybody, um, and uh, and it can still continues to be a karaoke. Yeah, favorite. I was going to say karaoke, right? They play it. They play it at parties, you know, and so and people uh, instantly um, they get into a good mood, and uh, it's it's amazing, really. Be honest, be honest with me, Cindy. Have you sang Love Shack karaoke? Uh, yeah, actually, it's pretty funny. <laughs> oh, 
That's awesome. Um, and so, uh, so for you guys as uh, the B-52s, you guys live together as well. And you've said that there was a, you know, living together was kind of a little bit too much clo- uh, togetherness, right? So, so tell me kind yeah, of, tell me about that yeah. environment for well, you. Guys. Well, what had happened was that, you know, we signed with Warner Brothers and they gave us um, some money. So uh, we moved up to New York uh, State and right outside of uh, Manhattan, uh, New York, I mean Manhattan, um, and uh, it's a big house, you know, and we all put our money into it because, you know, we were told that was a good investment. But it was just too much togetherness because it was just too much, you know, living together, you know, and touring and riding all the time. And it's it was just... Uh, yeah, and it, we were still kind of going through a shock, um, culture shock from moving from Athens to upstate New York, you know, and, you know, and I missed some friends and family from there, but my husband came up, we were living together then, and, uh, and that was, that was great. Yeah, and um, a lot of your songs you've said uh, have hidden messages. Uh, tell me, tell me what you mean by that. Like, what are what are some of those songs that have hidden messages for you? Uh, I don't know. I think. Well, I never like to to tell you know people what what to think about a song. Yeah, I like people to come to it for for themselves. You know, that's more fun. I think. Yeah, yeah. Let them kind of make their own conclusions, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, so you guys, having been together for uh, for over 40 years, I mean, you guys have made lists of, you know, in terms of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, like uh, the, kind of some of their biggest snubs. Like, do you, do you kind of see that that's still a possibility? Does that mean anything to you at all, or is it? Well, you know, I'm I'm not a snob about it. No. But I, I, don't, I don't live and die over if we get on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or not, to tell you the truth. Yeah. It's, to me, what's, you know, the most important is, I mean, I know what we've done. The B-52, we, we know what we've accomplished and and how we've hung in for 40 years, you know. And, um, and uh, so it's not that important to me. Yeah, okay. And um, and so tell me what the the future holds for the B fifty two is. What is the what does twenty eighteen look like? You guys uh, are you guys going to get back together? Uh, yeah. Oh well, we haven't we haven't you know separated. No, no, I, I don't mean like that. The, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, we're we've been working and we continue to work. And two thousand eighteen is going to be a very busy year for the B fifty two as well. Excellent. Um, and so as we kind of um, wind out here, there's a couple of, uh, you know, little things I wanted to ask you about. Um, you were in a band with, uh, or I guess you pr- uh, played and recorded some songs with Bill Paxton in uh, Martini Ranch. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, uh, we were playing um, L.A. a lot and California a lot, you know, uh, back in uh late 70s, early 80s, and and met Bill at one of the clubs. And so he asked me if, if I wanted to sing on his record, and I said I would. And we had a good time. It was, uh, it was, uh, it was just a, I just did a few things on it, not a big deal. Uh, 
but it was uh, it's definitely an interesting thing because later on he became such a big actor. Yeah, for sure. And uh, and you guys were uh, on Portlandia this year as as well. Tell me about how that came about. Uh, well, Fred uh, and Carrie invited us on, and we said yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, I thought it was it was a lot of fun. You know, we had a good time doing it. Yeah, yeah, and so your solo career um, isn't slowing down either. You're already kind of looking ahead to the the next page with your solo career as well, and have kind of um, the half the songs. The songs are like halfway done at this point, you'd say, for the next album. Uh, we've got a couple. We've got a couple, uh, but um, you know, right now it's it's we're going to Europe in uh, the end of February, and uh, and and. It's gonna be that's gonna be really exciting. For sure, for sure. Well, Cindy, um, I want to thank you for taking the time, and uh, and I know um, you're gonna be playing San Francisco next week. We're based in the Bay Area, so um, as we, cool. yeah, what are what are some of your fun and what are some of your memories of uh, San Francisco and shows you've done there? Oh well, I want it's um, I have a um, an image in my mind when we played. I mean. The first time we played in San Francisco, you know, it was such a beautiful city, and I'd never seen such a gorgeous city, you know. It, it was really awesome. And we were staying at the Senator. I think that was the name of the hotel. It was this old hotel. And I got a corner room that had amazing views, you know, and there was a billowing white curtains. We opened the windows, and they were just billowing. And it was and the light, lighting in San Francisco, there's a certain kind of light that San Francisco gets that's just awesome, you know, and it's it's an it's enchanting place. For sure. Well, Cindy, thank you again for, for taking the time. Again, the uh, uh, album is Change, and, um, and yeah, thank you for, uh, for taking the time for the chat today. Thank you. I had fun. Hi, this is Cindy Wilson of the Big Stitches. And you're listening to Concert Pipeline. Woo! That was the interview with Cindy Wilson from... Uh, she was up in, I think, Seattle when I talked to her just a few nights ago, and uh, now down in San Francisco. And uh, what, are your, what are your thoughts, Jens, B-52, Cindy Wilson, solo, by the yeah. way, solo, her solo career. Um, the, uh, her solo album that she has right now is Change, as I mentioned. And, uh, yeah, what are your thoughts? Well, there are several things I, uh, you know, when I think about Cindy Wilson, I think about one is her voice. You know, she's got this nice, uh, strong voice. You know, I think about her, you know, times back in the day with the B-52s and these incredible wigs, uh, you know, she she wore and became famous for, I guess. Mm -hmm. So I'm just looking at some images right now, and wow, it's amazing. I mean, not only is she, you know, dropped in gorgeous with these with these amazing wigs but some of these are so huge i'm wondering how she even supports them on her head <laughs> i mean incredible i mean there's some that are twice as big as her head they're so amazingly like large and i just wonder if um i mean i can't imagine that she performed with with some of these things they 
who have just maybe fallen off or something. I don't know, but <laughs> she she's she's incredible, uh, looking all uh, dressed up and and in the whole wig fashion here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's definitely an icon in that regard. In in her wigdom. In her wigdom, <laughs> yes. In her in her fame and, and and her wigdom. Right. Yeah. 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 So, uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it was a good conversation. I mean, it was uh, it was funny uh, as the, if you listened to the interview, you heard uh, me put her on the spot and say, "Cindy, you know, uh, be honest with me." Uh, have you sang uh, karaoke to Love Shack, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, right. And she said she had. So, <laughs> yeah. It'd, it'd probably be hard not to. You know, that yeah. song would just, you know, kind of pop up. Right, yeah. It's uh, it's kind of infamous in the, the karaoke, right? So, right, right, right. It, yeah, so that, so that was cool. It was a, it was a good conversation. And um glad we uh, had her on the podcast today. Uh, so... Um, so you can check out her album Change if uh, you want to hear more from Cindy Wilson. Um, speaking of change, we're going to change to the the next and last segment on the podcast. Jens, what is it? It is music news. That's right. Um, and so we have a couple stories today. Uh, first off, I want to I want to say um, I got some tickets to some concerts uh, that are coming up mid next year, mid like I mean ways away, but just bands that I uh, really like and uh, and tickets went on sale this week. And these are you know I mean by doing this podcast we get to talk to a lot of cool people, go to a lot of shows, uh, get in you know and uh, and a lot of concerts are free, but there's some that you know artists that I really respect and that um, you know I'll just pay for because I want to go and I want to make sure I get tickets and it doesn't sell out and everything. If we get them on the podcast great, but it, but I'm you know definitely there to support them as well. And uh, and one of those is uh, Andrew McMahon in the Wilderness. Um, as you know, one of my kind of all-time favorite musicians, probably favorite, right? It gotta be, yeah, hands down your number one favorite. And he's playing at the Fillmore, which is also hands down my favorite venue to uh, see a show. So when he plays at the Fillmore, it's just you know it's really really awesome. I think I saw him at the Fillmore in the last year or so, uh, also. But this is a different type of tool uh, tour um, where he's going to be acoustic, and he's inviting a couple of friends out with him. Just and it's going to be like an MTV storytellers type thing where they're going to play some songs each. They'll talk about them a, a bit as well, and uh, and that's nice. Yeah, and, yeah, it's it's really cool to to kind of mix it up like that. Yeah, exactly. So he's got Alan Stone, who he's been touring with uh, semi recently in the past year or so. Um, I haven't seen Alan Stone live, but um, but our friends Joe and Jackie have uh, saw him open for Andrew on Fourth of July, and said he was really great. Um, so that'll be cool. Um, also, Bobby Raw from Jack's Mannequin is going to be playing with him, and also uh, Zach from uh, Andrew McMahon in the Wilderness. So. Uh, so it should be a cool show. And also got tickets to Sylvanesso, um, who's a, uh, cool dance duo that we had him on the podcast a couple years ago. This is before your time. Um, I think one of Joe's last interviews is Sylvanesso, if I remember correctly. And, uh, saw them at the Fillmore, interviewed them there as well. And now they're going to be playing Greek theater, which is just, I mean, it's, 
10 times the size of the Fillmore, right? So, right. Yes. So, uh, so that's really cool. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. That's going to be something to seriously look forward to. Yeah. So, so let's get into some music news stories here. I have a couple for you. Um, Jens, uh, are you getting into the spirit with the holidays? No, I, I haven't gotten into the spirit in years. Oh, Jens, it's time to get in the spirit. No, I have successfully been able to avoid holiday music for the last few years, though. That's been a real blessing. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's yeah. That's. I, so I guess you could say I've been getting into the spirit of not getting into the spirit. Well, n- next week on the podcast we will have a holiday themed and with a holiday song as well. We have we're gonna have an interview with an artist. Uh, we'll tell you about toward the end of the podcast uh, who we're gonna have on, but there will be a holiday song on the, on our podcast next weekend. So. All right. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, we have to have at least one. I would say podcast dedicated to to the holiday just to you know put that out there for those people that you know find that kind of thing they do yeah we'll we'll do it we'll we'll fulfill that need for them right so Mm -hmm. um yeah but my my story about getting into the spirit is about a musician who uh recently got into the the spirit now this isn't a musician whose name you can't say um a redheaded musician Redheaded musician uh, who cannot be named. Who you cannot say his name. You cannot pronounce his name. I can't pronounce his name because his, it's a secret, or because I literally can't. pronounce You can't, his literally name. can't pronounce it. You've had trouble on the podcast for pronouncing Ed's name. What is his last name? Ed Sullivan. Wait, he has red hair. McMahon. Ed, no, red hair musician, dude. Uh, who? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, was, right, uh, the guy. Who did a cameo on Game, Game of, of Thrones. Thrones? Yes, what's and his name? It was like an outrage. I can. I don't. I still don't know how to pronounce that guy's last name. I will make an attempt. Uh-huh. Um, I, I can tell you what it's not. It's not Ed Sheeran. It's not. It's not that. No, it's not. It's, it's it, Sheeran. It's Ed Sheeran. Sheeran. There you go. Shit. Sheeran. Okay. <laughs> ask me again next time around. Okay. Get it right. Okay. We'll ask you again next time. So, uh, got kind of a two-part story for uh, Ed Sheeran. He uh, he's uh, doubled down on spreading holiday cheer uh, this past Friday during his trip to New York City. And before taking the stage at Z100's Jingle Ball at Madison Square Garden, he decorated special Ginger Ed cookies with uh, with thirty special fans, hand selected by Spotify. Very cool. Get it? Ginger Ed? Ginger Ed. I, I caught that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so there's a renowned pastry chef, Dominique Anzo, uh, who is a part of this. And uh, he showed people how to make the best gingerbread cookies. And Sharon uh, joined in to, uh, uh, to, do, to do that with his fans and take pictures and sign aprons and, and everything as well. So That's awesome. And he is such a talent. It's, it's incredible. Um, you know, I don't even know where to begin with that guy, but, uh, you know, he's a talented artist. He just comes out with one song after the next that is just unique in its own way. Um, I was asked if I could go to his concert. My, my wife wanted to go, but I just, I honestly, I got a little sick of his music because that's all she ever listens to. Really? She, she listens <laughs> so to like, No, I can't stand a whole concert of this. She, can she pronounce his name? No. <laughs> well, uh, you, met, you mentioned his music. Well, he, uh, that's the second part of my story is he, uh, 
uh, t- uh, talked just a few days ago about um, how he rec- uh, wrote and recorded his collaboration with Eminem at Russell Crowe's house. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, so he appears on the track River on the Lose Yourself uh, uh, rapper's uh, new album, Revival, and he reveals he was traveling in Australia when he was contacted by Eminem's manager um, about a possible collaboration. Uh, now, Russell Crowe had previously offered up his home for Ed to stay at, um, which was re- equipped with a recording studio. So Ed took him up on the offer, got to work on that track. Uh, he used the studio there, played the drums on it, and played the guitar. And then he uh, recorded the thing and wrote the chorus and did p- the piano on it. And then he sent it off, and he didn't hear anything back. And that was like in March of 2016. Uh-huh. Uh, and um, and so he, he, what he said is that um, he his parents... Uh, oh, well, he's a longtime fan of Eminem, and uh, he revealed that uh, Eminem helped him cure his childhood stammer by uh, Ed constantly rapping his album, the Marshall Mathers LP. So, uh, so that kind of helped him. Look at that! Wow. I know, right? So. Wow. Uh, he he said he had to have been about nine when it came out, and uh, and he's saying this the sort of things that are on that LP. Um, yeah, it's pretty interesting. So that's pretty much the story. Is he uh, he sent it off to Eminem? I think uh, Eminem uh, got back to uh, got back to him or put it all together more recently, and um, and then the song has come out. So wow! Yeah. When you first started telling me that story, I'm, I'm thinking, okay, it's, here's some artists. Uh, somehow they know Russell Crowe, and Russell Crowe's got like a studio. Like, is there like an Airbnb app or something just for artists? Right. You know? it's like, Let's go. Let's go to Australia. Whose place can we crash at? All right, let's go to Celebrity Air, you know, Airbnb and see. Oh, Russell Crowe's not going to be in town. Oh, he's got a studio. That's really cool. It's like let's hang out of his place. It's like Tinder for celebrities, right? Yeah. Right. There you go. Right. There you go. Without the celebrities being there, right? There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's my story. You You have a story for us, Jens? Yeah. I do. Okay. So. All right, get this. So the 40th annual Kennedy Center Honors recognize hip-hop for the first time. Look at that. Sounds progressive to me. It sounds pretty progressive. I'm reading this title thinking, for the first time? It took that long? How long has hip-hop been around and it's finally being recognized for the first time? Yeah, it's crazy. That's just like how behind the times some stuff is, right? Yeah. I know. I was kind of startled. I thought, is that correct, really? Um, so let's talk a bit about this. Uh, okay, so the five recipients of the 40th Annual Kennedy Center Honors are LL Cool J, Lionel Richie, Gloria Estevan, Norman Lear, and Carmen de... De Love Balade. I probably mispronounced that. Carmen, I apologize. <laughs> you may have mispronounced that, yes. <clears throat> it's not you, it's me. I um, right. honestly. <laughs> All right. Um, so uh, uh, the Kennedy Center honors uh, recognize those in the arts who've made lifetime achievements in American pop culture and ushered in some new traditions in the process. Um, LL Cool J becomes the first hip-hop artist to be recognized at the Kennedy Center Honors. 
Go LL Cool three, J. Go LL Cool J. So this is three decades worth of material here. Right. Uh, that they're honoring, right? Um, yeah, and often, uh, you know, he was cited as being hip-hop's first heartthrob. Woohoo! LL Cool J, good for you. Uh, he's best known for hits like Mama Said Knock You Out and Doing It. Yeah! Yeah, LL Cool J. All right, so a fellow golden era rapper Queen Latifah mm-hmm. um, immortalized LL on stage before he received the award. Thank you, Queen Latifah. Uh, Q-Tip and the Roots, members of Questlove and Black Thought were in attendance uh, for support, while Busta Rhymes, DMC, and did, did you DJ say did, whoa, whoa, whoa. you're not getting past that? You're not getting past that. Uh, there's not a, a hard, you know, t- two dots over that U on on your Busta there. I said I said Busta Rhymes. You did not say Busta Rhymes. You said, I said Busta Rhymes. You said Busta Rhymes. No, I would never say that. <laughs> oh my god! You can rewind this podcast. It's oh. Busta Rhymes. Oh, Busta Rhymes. It, it'll be rewound and put over yeah, and over. And every over. everybody knows that's silent. Oh. Busta Rhymes. Right. Because <laughs> Busta Rhymes doesn't even make any sense. No, right? no, of course not. You, you've got if you're gonna rhyme, you got to Busta Rhyme, right? Yeah. There you go. Good. Well, hello. Get with it. All right. Get jiggy with it, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, so LL Cool J, awesome, uh, freaking awesome. Way to, way to, uh, uh, way to be one of the firsts here to change the trend. Yes, yes, indeed. Okay, I'll let you off the hook for that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Booster Ryan. Uh, Booster. Booster Ryan. Sure. Yeah. Okay. But whatever you say. Uh huh. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Okay. My next story, um, is, uh, a little close to home. I'll, I can relate to, uh, to the next story a little bit, but it's, uh, it's pretty interesting. So Queens of the Stone Age frontman Josh Hom uh, has apologized for an incident involving a photographer that took place during the band's performance at a California radio festival this past weekend. Lots of radio festivals going on right now. That's the thing. Is right. It's uh, holidays. Uh, all of those radio stations have their big holiday festival. Get bringing all the big bands out, and then um, lots of little artists out. You know, besides besides that. So it's kind of a dry time for concerts right now in December. Um, the slow period. So, uh, but uh, they were playing the K Rock Almost Acoustic Christmas, um, and during their set, and Hom's foot connected with a camera held by a photographer in the photo pit. Uh, in front of the stage. Um, and so Sunday, Hom put uh, out the following statement slash apology for the incident. Last night, while in a state of being lost in performance, he was lost in performance, Jens. Uh, he was lost in performance, okay. I kicked over various lighting and equipment on our stage. Today, it was brought to my attention that this included a camera held by photographer Chelsea Lauren. I did not mean for that to happen, and I'm very sorry. I would never intentionally cause harm to anyone working or uh, at or attending one of our shows, and I hope Chelsea will accept my sincere apology. Uh, and so if you look up this story, uh, there's video of the incident, which you can find on, um, on Chelsea's Instagram page. Um, and... Uh, and that's Chelsea Lauren LA is her Instagram page. So I watched the video, right? Cause, uh, as a 
good reporter does here. <laughs> and, uh, and so today she posted a picture that she had taken of Josh uh, from before the incident happened. A good picture of him, right, from the concert. And uh, she sa says, thank you, everyone that's reached out with supportive messages. A small update as I'm being flooded with questions. Uh, she, went to the, uh, she went to the emergency room for this, by the way. Mm. Um, so she said, my neck is, uh, is a sore, my eyebrow bruised and, uh, and I'm a bit nauseous. Uh, the doctor released me early in the morning. Here are the, th uh, here are three images. Two of them is Josh looked at me, uh, smiled and then kicked me. The other one is <laughs> later after he cut his own face with a knife. Uh, I don't know what happened. Uh, I don't know what happened there, but uh, uh, I was in the pit. Ow. I was in the pit in tears and he just stared at me smiling. Uh, assault in any form is not okay, no matter what the reasoning. Alcohol and drugs are no excuse. I was where I was allowed to be. I was not breaking any rules. I was simply trying to do my job. I hold nobody accountable for this but Josh himself. K-Rock has nothing to do uh, with this, and I will always support them. The irony is someone had thrown an ice cube onto the very slick catwalk before the Queens of the Stone Age set. I was afraid that one of the band members might slip and hurt themselves, so when the lights went dark, I used my arm to wipe down the runway so nobody would hurt themselves. Uh, uh, and he, she said, as of now, nobody from Queens of the Stone Age has re uh, reached out to me. That's wow. What she, that's what she said. Wow, cue, okay. the, cue the onslaught, the slaughtering of, uh, of bashing of this, uh, this photographer, by the way, uh, which... Uh, one comment says, attention whore, what he did was wrong and he apologized, but you exaggerate your injuries, otherwise you would have continued to assist to the, uh, the festival, uh, uh, wouldn't have continued to assist the festival for the other bands. If your face was bruised, you would have showed it because you like to show off. You just want attention and money. People are saying this is part of the gig of being a rock and roll journalist. It's rock and roll, you know, uh, and uh, this says you try to take uh, if you go and try to take a picture of a fucking shark. And while you're doing the job, the shark attacks you. What happens? Nothing because you took uh, the risk. Sorry, that applies to this situation, too. Uh, wow. You took the risk. Next time, go to a, a Justin Bieber uh, uh uh, show or something more safe for you. Although I'd argue that Justin Bieber probably isn't more safe because that guy can fly <laughs> off the handle as well. So. Right. Oh, wow, man, man that, that's crazy, the backlash. Yeah, and so this is where this com comes back in. And I think you might know this story. Do you know my, my similar story, ends? You're going to have to refresh my memory. Okay, because I have a similar story from uh, 14 years ago, maybe. Uh I want to say 2003, maybe, uh, is when, when this happened, this sort of thing happened to me. Uh, I was at the Bill Graham Civic Auditorium and I was uh, taking, I was shooting video uh, of 30 Seconds to Mars, uh, which is uh, actor, uh, Oscar, now Oscar winner actor uh, Jared Leto's uh, band that he has uh, as they were opening for uh, Soundgarden with the late Chris Cornell, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, and, uh, and, and yeah, I, I had interviewed the band before the show, the rest of the band, uh, except Jared Leto, Jared Leto was not there. He was, I think he was doing something with his mom or something like that. And, but the rest of the band showed up to the interview, uh, including his brother, Shannon, 
uh, Leto, who is a drummer and uh, everything along those lines, right? So I'd interviewed the band. I was cleared uh, to mm-hmm. to shoot video. And so, and during the performance, like you shoot, at, when you're in the photo pit, usually you get the first three songs to record, right? Um, and so I was recording, I think it was a second or third song um, of their set. And, uh, and he flips off my camera and... Um, and then, uh, comes over and puts his boot to the side of, uh, of my camera and no way. Yeah. Yeah. That happened. Uh, and that's crazy. It wasn't a hard kick or anything. Like it didn't damage the camera or anything like that, but it shook the camera while I'm, you know, while I was recording the promoter came and like took me out of the pit and was like, you know, and I know the promoter because I'd worked with her on other shows and that sort of thing. Right. And, uh, and she's like, what was that? What happened? You know, I was like, I don't know, you know, uh, I guess he didn't want mm-hmm. me to record or something like that, but I was cleared. Right. And so, uh, so I didn't let it drop there either. I put the, uh, you know, I, uh, my friend John edited the footy, uh, the footage and it was, uh, and Jared Leto was singing his, uh, single attack at the time, by the way. I'll put that. Uh-huh. Out there. I'll put that out there. And so, uh, so my friend John made you know edited the video and put like flashing uh, like when B-list celebrities attack, <laughs> sort of thing. And then it, I mean it went. This was before times of viral, but it went what would now be called viral uh, on uh, a Perez viral. on a Perez yeah. Hilton type site. Um, and I forget what it was called, but it, a lot of people saw it. Like my, my space, uh, uh, like blew up and, and then people were on the 30 seconds to Mars message board talking about me. Like they knew me and they knew what had happened and what was going on. Yeah, it was so surreal, man. I was going to San Francisco state at the time. So it must've been Oh four. Um, but, uh, uh, I was going there and I was reading all of this and it's weird, like taking yourself back. Cause this, you know, sort of recognition yeah. doesn't usually happen with, you know, for me. And, um, and I'm on the message board, like reading this stuff and everything. And it's like, well, was he kneeling like a good journalist? Like he's supposed to, or whatever. I'm like, this is a Bill Graham civic. This is six foot stages. Like the, the stages are up here. Right. You know? And so you don't have to kneel. They don't know. Right. But There's they're talking, no kneeling. They're, but they're, <laughs> but they're backing their precious Jared Leto, uh, or your situation and you know right, they, right. they know nothing about oh, it that's crazy who's and jared leto's notoriously a dick anyway right like i mean right so, so i wonder if that was a dick move or if his intention was oh let's let's uh make this a viral thing and um you know see if i can yeah. sell more albums or something uh, i don't know do something about my image I, but i never got the apology that josh hom gave chelsea lauren I, I never went to the hospital either or you know, uh, any, you know, did this sort of pity party thing. I just, I put it up, you know, I, I said tit for tat is pretty much what I did. Right. He did the actions. Mm-hmm. It's on video. It was slowed down when he kicked the, you know, the camera and everything like that. Yeah. We accentuated it a little bit, but he did the action. Right. So <laughs> I, I'm like, and I got to hear, you know, a little bit, I got to hear it from his publicist and everything who wasn't pleased, uh, you know, <laughs> right. with, the, with the exposure. And I did take it down after like a day. Uh, right. right. But right. at that point, the damage was done. It was out there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. That's crazy shit, man. Yeah. Who would have thought that would have happened? I don't know. It, it was it was crazy. Yeah. So that's that's yeah. That's one of those stories. You know, it's one of those things that you experience and it just lives on. You know, forever. You'll never forget that. 
Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, it's stuff, stuff like that does happen sometimes, though, in the, in, you know, in the field, and you just got to roll with it, or, you know, use, you know, use your footage, and, you know, if it happens or whatever, mm. you know, you can get back a little bit, I think, and, uh, mm. you know, I don't know, I, I was at an Andrew WK concert once, and I was pretty close, I was recording video, we had interviewed Andrew, and, uh, and I was recording video, and people were stage diving, and this is in a tiny club, and people stage dive into my video camera, and it broke you know the zoom off of my camera oh, no. uh, which cost me 250 bucks to fix and months of being without my, a couple months of being without my camera you camera, know right. that that was my own mistake you know stuff happens sometimes but I yeah, yeah yeah crazy dude crazy yeah you have one more all right you have another story for us more. okay yeah okay hit one it more. all right uh steve let me ask you this hey hit me there's a small little band um that some people know about don't know if you've heard of them. Let me know if you've heard of them or been to one of their concerts. Um, Grateful Dead. Ring a bell? Who? Grateful Dead. Oh, Grateful, okay. Dead. Grateful Dead. I've heard of them. I've never been. Yes, I've never been to a Grateful Dead show. I've never had. Never been to a Grateful Dead show. No, right. unfortunately. You've never been to a Grateful Dead show, but there is there is still hope for you, Steve. There is, is there? There is still hope for you. Okay. So. Um, the founders, uh, Jerry Garcia, like is Jerry Garcia Phil. coming back from the dead or what? Like, I mean, how am I? We're hoping. Right. Yes. I'm not, I'm not seeing anything, any news about that yet. I mean, if Jerry Garcia can make it back from the dead, awesome. But uh-huh. for now we've got Bob and Phil okay. who are going to get together and apparently do the first duo tour that they've done before. Oh, look at that. Yeah, yeah. So get this. So uh, former bandmates plan back-to-back acoustic electrical sets, um, and they're going to include, of course, some dead covers and some solo. I mean, you got to material. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, you got to right. So um, this is the Bobby and Phil tour. Uh-oh. I don't know if that's the official name of it, but let's just call it the Bobby and Phil okay. tour. Okay. <laughs> Uh, so Bob Weir and Phil Lesh, uh, two founding members of the Grateful Dead announced their first ever dual tour, uh, promising back to the law. So good. I just said all that. So, um, some details on it. So they're going to play six dates in three U S cities. I'll tell you that that doesn't feel like much of a tour. I like, I feel like it to have the classification tour. You probably need to hit at least four dates. I don't know. I mean, four, four cities, like three and a half, four cities. Like, I I don't know. I mean, (laughs) I I look at a tour as like, Hey, you're hitting some locations, right? This is like a small string of shows. (laughs) Right. So, um, so I had to read the sentence twice. I mean, I read it out loud and thought, wait, did I misread that? But no, they're playing six dates. In three U.S. cities. Okay. Uh, I mean, one of them has to be San Francisco where, the you know, the dead are. Right, exactly. One has to be San Francisco, right? So just take a wild guess. Where do you think the closest city to San Francisco might be? And no, it's not happening in San Francisco. Uh, uh, Nevada. Nevada. <laughs> yeah, no. Oh, okay. Oakland. No, Oakland. <laughs> okay. Closest city is going to be Chicago. Okay, yeah, that's right down the road. Yeah, and followed by uh, New York and Boston. Okay. Uh, this is going to happen well, in early March. So not happening in San Francisco. No, nowhere on the West Coast. Um, so in case you uh, you know happen to be in that area or you're a super fan and want to fly over there, those are the three cities you can go to see the Bobby, the 
Bobby and Phil show. Neither of those is happening, so we'll yeah, have to pass I'm, on I'm that not going to do that. Yeah. So anyway, so anyway, uh, yeah, I agree with you. That's really not much of a tour, but the effort is being made, and I'm sure um, it's going to be a massive success, and people are going to have uh, you know a fantastic time yeah. because these are legends, right? They are absolute legends. Maybe, maybe in fact, this little maybe it's a trial tour. It maybe could be, yeah. maybe they'll become inspired and they'll realize, you know what? Let's continue. We're not stopping here. Cool Let's do another three dates, and then uh, or three cities, and then uh, you know we'll see how long it'll last for. I mean, you know, there's money to be made, right? So. There's money to be made. Yeah. yeah. Money to be made. Well, I have one more story actually uh, to to wind us out here, Jens. Um, okay, hit me. Uh, it's going to be a story about one of my favorite bands. Uh, oh, oh, I know who it is. Who is it? Uh. It's Ed McMahon. Ed McMahon, yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. No, this is, of course, Foo Fi- about the Foo Fighters. Oh, of course. All yes. right. Foo yeah. Fighters, right, 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 right. You know what? I just read something about uh, Mr. Grohl. What was it? Yeah, uh, I'll let you tell the story. I don't know if I'm thinking of the same story. Okay, maybe you are. Maybe you are. So the surviving Nirvana members, uh, Dave Grohl, Chris Novoselic, and Pat Smear, reunited for a one-song performance during the Foo Fighters show at the Matthew Knight Arena in Eugene, Oregon, on December 5th. And uh-huh. there's video of the event, of course, that's online. Uh, a girl said, uh, back in the day, I had this song, and I thought it might be kind of cool. Uh, and then Nova Novoselic arrived on stage, uh, and we had uh, nothing to do all day long. I was like, I got an idea, and we recorded this song together. We wound up on the first Foo Fighters record. It's called Big Me, and it sounds like this. Um, and so, uh, so the uh, the Nirvana members came out and played a Foo Fighters song, Big Me. Um, and uh, I mean, that was really cool. They didn't even play a Nirvana song, right? Um, yeah, yeah, that's freaking awesome. Um, and they've the three surviving members have rarely reunited on stage since Cobain's death in '94. They did regroup for Nirvana's induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2014. Um, and uh, there's f- footage of that jam online as well. So, good wow. feel feel good story uh, with about uh, uh, Dave Grohl and crew um, to wind us up. Yeah, that's killer, man. That's awesome. Always good to hear a good Dave Grohl story. Yes. So that's uh, that's what we got for this episode of Concert Pipeline. Jens, you feeling good? I'm feeling good, man. I'm feeling good. Actually, I'm getting pumped about our uh, holiday episode coming up. Ah, yes. I'm glad you, you mentioned that uh, because yeah, next week on the podcast, we're going to have Kate Grom uh, on the show. She's an up-and-coming musician, and she uh, did a holiday song, which we're not going to spoil it on which it is yet. We're, you're just going to have to tune back in uh, next week to uh, to hear the interview with Kate Grom and also uh, the song that she did. We'll talk a little bit about that and more. Uh, and so for all of us here at Concert Pipeline... That's Yen Schiphol. And that is Steve Jones. We will catch you next time.